0: Well, if that's not the most interesting intro to the Woo Sox Insider Podcast that we have all season, I don't know what will be. That was Dr. Charles Steinberg and his reprise of Woo Sox 21 into Woo Sox 22. Hello and welcome to the Woo Sox uh, Insider Podcast. As always, I am your host, Tim Quitadamo, TQ. I have my producer here with me, Dylan McCaffrey, up on stage live in the DCU Club the one person who is not with us is our co-host, Chris Bergstrom. So he lives in North Attleboro. They are getting hit hard by the storm. He lost power. He lost heat. So keep Chris in your in your thoughts and prayers, your T's and P's today. Can you believe Chris bailed on the podcast today? We, we He didn't want to sleep at the
1: park. He, he lost power. He didn't charge his phone. He's saving his phone battery for emergencies. Didn't want to zoom in. I think it's i think it shows a lack of dedication
0: i think it does too and i i think it's a little personal as well uh but chris hard feelings only um i guess take care of your family during this time uh and we'll think of you when it's convenient for us uh but we'll see you back on the podcast next week dr charles yeah tickle in the ivory well you know it warms
2: <laughs> you up a little bit it's um I, I know the heat is on here, but it is a little bit chilly little in the chilly. DCU club. Yeah. So, yeah, just to uh, warm up a little bit, um, a little bit of um, WooSucks 21, maybe for the last time for a while. Right. And then the beginning of 2. 22.
0: Yeah, so in, in case you didn't know, Dr. Charles writes all of these songs. He's in the recording studios with the artists and musicians while they're recording it. They're going over mix and mix and mix and... I know it sounds like a lot of work, but it usually does mean a flight to San Diego for a week uh, to record with these artists. But m- writing music has always been a passion for you,
2: right? Well, yeah. I mean, you don't really think that your music is anything special when you're 17 and you're just writing about you know, the, the next crush that you have, you know, and you, you channel it. You, know, and, um, you don't think anything's going to come of it. But um, over the years, um, people start, started to react to it. And I started to put baseball lyrics to the songs and uh, it just kept going and going and growing and growing. Uh, so uh, that's why when we got to Pawtucket, um, we just pounded uh, people with Paw Sox baseball for about five years. And I didn't want to do that here where we just um, uh, you know, beat you into submission with the same song the whole time. Uh, so that's why I wrote wusak's 21, and then wanted something a little bit different for wusak's 22. But the there, there is a method a little bit to some of the madness, and uh, and, and it might be interesting, especially for the the moms and dads, uh, to know, uh, because yeah. um, the the especially wusak's 22, both are intentionally simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess what I mean is this, Decaf. Let me hand you the mic a second.
0: Yeah, he has a mic. Yeah, no, but, oh you're holding right, it right, uh, guy, gotcha. I need to do a guy got you so you know i've been thinking this whole time i wanted two mics <laughs> this this feels pretty good <laughs> you've been the producer for three episodes and you need more airtime i'm gonna keep adding mics every episode you're gonna have to hold that <laughs> I, want, up to the I want to hold like a press
1: conference with just mics in front of me do you
0: know where you're supposed to hold it i heard directly pointing at it at the ninth fret well here-
1: the ninth fret? The yeah, point. the ninth fret, you said. The yeah,
0: fret, yeah. the ninth, that ninth right? fret. That's an optimal microphone for an acoustic guitar. Well,
1: Here's here the point. I was
0: gonna You're going to have to hold it up to Charles, too, when, so we can really when, hear him.
2: When, um, <laughs> on WooSucks,
0: This is unrehearsed. On,
2: on Woo, <laughs> Can you tell? On Woosox 21, I wanted to make it as simple as could be for a child to learn the introduction. Yep. Well, the simplest way to do it is to go like this. They're just the six open streets. One more time. And then you just complete it with the E chord. <laughs> <şur Irv-2> and then, then it gets a little bit more complicated, but Seven-year-olds, six-year-olds who are learning the guitar can go. You can do that. That's right. I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you you, you, You can do that. You you can do that. So now, just to be cute on WooSucks22, I just flipped it. Check this out. So it's the same thing, just backwards, take two. So let's do that again. The open strings just go. And then I went to an A chord instead of the E chord, but they're two of the easiest chords to learn and and two of the first chords that you teach. And um, if there's a third chord in that triplet, it's typically an A. So you go ahead. You can do an awful lot of rock and roll with just an A to D to E to A. So look how simple WooSucks22 is. Always something cool and new. Ah, very simple.
0: my favorite part Sock oh take two. you didn't you didn't do 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 do
2: yeah take two. now this is here we needed the officiant I, yeah i don't like
0: the, the we should have well i think we mislabeled this session on the on woosocks.com when people were registering for winter weekend because this is music lessons with dr well, charles steinberg you
2: know it's probably a cold day in, in winter in worcester when you're sit back, you're, you're at home, and music's a, a big part of it. Music's a big part of baseball. It's a big part of our careers. Uh, the soundtrack of a game is important to us. I, uh,
1: I took your class sports management, the syllabus didn't have music lessons in it, but we got music lessons every class.
2: <laughs> exactly. That's at Emerson, where I'm director of sports communication, where Dylan was a terrific student, where Tim Quitadamo was a terrific student. You got to go to college, kids. Get internships.
1: <laughs>
0: Take two. All righty. So there you have a little bit of the history of the writing of Woo Sox 21 and Woo Sox 22. Charles, we did, since we're doing our first live podcast recording, we did just have some breaking news. And I'll lead into this while you set your guitar down. Uh, Tom Brady, after 22 seasons in the NFL, is... Formally announcing his retirement. No, That's really? right. So we wish him a happy wow. and healthy retirement. Obviously it will be healthy wow. because he's not e- eating any nightshades, really? nothing inflammatory, staying pliable. But I
2: want to try to go out with a Super Bowl one more time. Huh? Apparently not. Seven's enough. I always enough. imagined
1: him riding off into the sunset. Wow. With a trophy on his shoulder.
0: What a career. What Woo. a career is right. Wow. Now, not only do you love writing music, but you've written a lot of opening day ceremonies at oh, yeah. Fenway Park. And Tom with six oh, Super Bowls heavens, with the Patriots yeah. has been at a lot of them. Do you have any Tom Brady oh, stories you want to share?
2: Well, yeah. And even why that was an opening day ceremony goes back. Actually, it's an it's an interesting story. You got a minute? Yeah. It's a podcast. I think we, we have what? At least
0: 40 more.
2: All right. So we're with the Baltimore Orioles in Baltimore. Larry Lucchino. Janet Marie, we built Camden Yards. It's great. It's a phenomenon. Packed houses every day. Larry gets the cool gig of the San Diego Padres. We're moving to San Diego. And that's great. And we are going to the opposite end of the baseball success spectrum. We are going to take over a team in 1995 that in 94 finished 28th because there were only 28 teams in four categories, lowest attendance, lowest revenue, lowest season ticket
0: base, and worst one loss percentage. Decaf, what are the two teams that weren't in the league at that time? Marlins. Yep.
1: <laughs>
0: Diamondbacks. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um
1: Where, where you were in san diego san diego they were last in every
0: opening day ceremonies not the not the rays and diamondbacks oh it might have been the ha.
2: Mm hmm. right i think so i think i'm I think blaming was, that on you DK. i think we we added the rays and diamondbacks yeah. in 90 you said marlins we? with such conviction that because the first in. of all the marlins won the 97 world right. series mm.
1: i was so close i was in the same state
2: <laughs> you were still a very good student at emerson <laughs> So we take over the Padres and um, uh, it's it's Larry Lucchino with John Moores, uh, the majority owner of the club. And Larry had said to me, you know, how bad can we mess this up? The stone is already at the bottom of the hill. Well, we're getting ready for our first opening day. There was an opening night. And, you know, in the weeks that lead up. What are you going to do? The fan apathy was only exceeded by antipathy because they had had a fire sale and, mm-hmm. and all. Well, the San Diego Chargers were the toast of the town. The San Diego Chargers had just been to their first Super Bowl. And it was all Chargers. And the fans were wild. They, uh, we, were sh- we shared the stadium, uh, Jack Murphy Stadium, later called Qualcomm Stadium. And Larry and I are watching the, the news one night and 60,000 fans come to Jack Murphy Stadium to welcome home the Chargers from qualifying for the Super Bowl. they had won in Pittsburgh.
0: It's quite a number. Well, 60, you
2: saw that the city had passion. The city had enthusiasm. But at the time, it was not for the Padres. So what if you introduced the Chargers on opening night? Ooh. So how are we, the very um, secondary team in that town, going to get the Chargers
0: and their players to be with us? There was a question to even get the Chargers as the San Diego Padres, because that seems ludicrous nowadays. There's always pregame ceremonies that incorporate other professional teams in whatever city you're in. Not everybody likes to do that, but we wanted to and we didn't have that
2: much else to offer
1: can i ask the stadium was it built for football or baseball first or was it built for both at it the was same built time? as
2: a multi-purpose okay. as multi-purpose stadia go it was a really good one the, the seats rolled out of the way um but um but it was multi-purpose on the the last out of the last game of the season in september early october the little bulldozers came in and they i mean there goes the pitcher's mound. It was kind of sad to me. Anyway, the the um, how are you going to get the Chargers to cooperate and participate in the Padres' opening day?
0: Are you asking me?
2: Rhetorically, really.
0: <laughs> you want to try it? No.
2: <laughs> Where was Larry Lucchino before he was the head of the Baltimore Orioles?
0: Where was he, TQ? Oh, now this is a test too.
2: he was an attorney for a sports team.
0: That's right. He was in football. Yes. Was it in Washington?
2: It was. Good job. All righty. So Edward Bennett Williams, Larry's mentor um, uh, and boss uh, was the president of the Washington then Redskins and Larry was general counsel. And they talked about changing the name back then, by the way. That's another story. So. Their uh, young uh, football executive on the rise was one Bobby Beathard, who now here in 1995 was the general manager of the San Diego Chargers. And so it's
0: a it's, small world.
2: Yes. Relationships are everything. Yep. So we go to dinner. Larry calls Bobby Beathard, who's happy to go to dinner with his old friend. And we outline this idea that Uh, the Houston Astros, the opponents that night would line up along the third baseline. And then we would say, and now a team that epitomizes excellence, quality, championship level play. People are going to think, you got to be kidding me. The Padres (laughs) were the worst team in all of baseball. Your San Diego Chargers and out would come the Chargers. And that's what we did. And it added so much energy and life. And then amid that, High energy. Yeah, by the way, here with the Padres, we got our season started.
1: Well, the so, cheers are still going for the Chargers. Exactly. some So confidence.
2: that established the idea and the model in our heads. So now we're about to join the Boston Red Sox. And the um, the Patriots get into their first Super Bowl. I good said, well, why should we dust off our old idea and um, and honor the Patriots Uh, on opening day and um I have wonderful friends at the Red Sox many of whom were inherited colleagues none of whom thought that we were sane. (laughs) you're gonna have a football team on the field at Fenway Park you know yeah I I said well in San Diego you're not in San Diego anymore we don't do that so I was not only told that that was a strange idea I was told can happen won't happen uh, it's impossible. You don't understand the logistics of Fenway Park, and we did it. So there was Tom Brady, there was the trophy, there were the Patriots, and it established a model that would work. We knew we got it down. Sarah McKenna, my dear friend and uh, collaborator on all those yeah. complicated, who was here working Some on Polar
0: Park opening day too. Yeah,
2: no, I, br- I brought her in. She's a world class logistician. In addition to being a um, a great creative collaborator you know i'll say oh how about if we do this and then she'll just look at me like and then she figures out how to do it right you know um like when when sam kennedy said uh, to me sam is the president and ceo now of the uh, red sox but um we were leaving the padres and he goes how about if when we get to boston we have a flag the size of the green monster and it comes down on patriots day I said, Sam, that idea is too good to wait for Patriots Day. We need that on our first opening day. And so we tell Sarah about it. And folks at the, uh, at the Red Sox explained to me why that can't happen. It won't happen. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. If it could have happened, it would have happened. And you just can't do that here. You're not going to find a flag. What are you going to go order one from China? It's going to take uh, six months, they said. Sarah comes back. Got a flag company. Where where are they? Six blocks from Fenway, like oh my god, local too. Yes, she's so she's a a master at resourcefulness, and yes, we did get that giant flag, and we got the Patriots. Now the Patriots win again.
0: They made it look really bad for anyone who was doubting you getting the Patriots there because it became such a habit on opening day. The Patriots with Lombardi trophies coming out at Fenway Park. Well,
2: it became the way I wound up watching the Patriots in the Super Bowl was to say, "All right, is this going to be a pregame ceremony on opening day?" And if if they won, it was. If it wasn't, I was still happy to have them. But you know, there were people say, "Oh, right. you know, don't do it." But um, through it, um, uh, I got to meet uh, Mr. Kraft, uh, Robert Kraft, and we knew a lot of people in common. Um, his late father had been instrumental uh in um in overseeing uh the synagogue in brookline that i had gone to Mm -hmm. and um it was kind of interesting to feel some kind of connection that way not through football well there was a thought that for the second opening day uh after the patriots won that it would just be mr Kraft throwing to his son I was a little bit worried about that idea. I know that it's simple and I know that it would pay tribute to, you know, quite a family um, uh, with Worcester connections, by the way, that are, are very profound, yep. but um, gosh, I, I felt like the fans wanted to see the players. Well, it was for me to drive down to Foxborough and to speak to Mr. Kraft for mm-hmm. the first time and tell him that I thought, a better idea was for (laughs) him and his son to be joined by the rest of the team. It was not his idea to do it solo. And um, I'd say that 90% of the conversation was about his dad and Brookline and uh, the lady who had the little toy store right across the street. Goes back to what you said earlier, relationships or everything. And he said, now, what do you want to do? I said, I think that you should have the whole team. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Good, Boom. So now they're back again they win a third one, what, two years later. Yep. And, uh, all of this is my, is my Tom Brady story, which is very short. We have <laughs> a green room, a, a room where we're a, a conference room, where, uh, the Patriots are, are going to wait. And I walk in, I've never met Tom Brady. I walk in and I see Mr. Craft and, oh, that guy's Tom Brady. I walk it, hi, how are you? Nice. And I just walk right <laughs> on the <pile. laughs> Like, I'm the only one who just sort of just blew off Tom Brady because actually here was my friend, you know, uh, or at least a gentleman who I was friendly with. I hadn't met Tom Brady. I'm like, yeah, hi Tom, how are you? Nice, nice to see you. So um, I have the utmost respect for him. Yeah. Next time
1: you're in public in Worcester, you get to shake Charles Steinberg's hand. Just know that he he big time Tom Brady when he had the <laughs> exactly. chance. Exactly.
2: Inadvertently, unintentionally, but unequivocally. So I I did uh, I went over to Mr. Kraft and and I think Tom came over you know to see who was this person that was that just snubbed me. Up. Yeah. It's a so, good
0: thing he wasn't. He did get drafted by the Expos as a catcher. It's a good thing he wasn't a two-sport athlete. Well, that wasn't on the Red Sox because I think that alone was enough to light a fire that would haunt the Boston baseball team for decades.
2: Well, that that may be, but you do bring up something somewhere along. Gosh, what the fifth Super Bowl, something like that? We're having them again. Count, yeah, decaf. The the Dolphins fan is and uh, Sarah and I did talk about. You know, he needs to go. He needs to go into the batting cage. I mean, he was a, a great ball player. Yeah. Um, why am I remembering the Texas Rangers? They weren't they weren't part of that story. They might
1: have drafted Russell Wilson. Yeah. Oh,
2: OK. All right. Um, good. Good call there. That's our producer. I mean, that met, decaf. That's, that's what he's I, here I met, for. I met Russell Wilson. Oh, did you big time yes. time him too? No, no, no. I was very appreciative. <laughs> big time Ciara. For his, his work on childhood cancer awareness in Seattle. But that's another story. Yeah. Um, Look, it's a snowy day in January. We could go all day. But um, with with Tom Brady, yeah, we made sure that uh, I believe he and David Ortiz went into the batting cage. And there there are photos. There is footage There's that the Red I'm Sox seeing. have of David Ortiz and Tom Brady uh, playing baseball uh, together in, in the cage right behind the dugout. So anyway, I well, look, I'm a, I'm an unabashed Tom Brady fan. I, I think the world of him. I think the uh, world of what the Patriots created and uh, if he is going to uh, bid farewell, what a career we've all been honored to, to watch. And we, we knew it at the time. It's not that anybody didn't appreciate that. You had David Ortiz and Tom Brady. Um, Currently. Yeah. Concurrently in your city. Uh, along with the Celtics and Bruins winning uh, a yeah. championship, got Paul like,
1: Pierce, Tom Brady, and David Ortiz in a room together. It's Patrice it's Bergeron.
2: Something. throwing
0: the 2011 Bruins
2: and and always look to our friend Bablo Bell to come up with some cool ideas. And he said, "You know, Charles, you got to get a shot of all of those trophies. Get the Lombardi trophies and the World Series trophies all together." And uh, and we did, and it's boy you, I'm, you're filling me with sentiment if he's if he's gonna hang them up but um, what a great career and a wonderful guy to deal with. I, I didn't have any extensive conversation obviously with him. Uh, Jackie Jackie Wilkes who assists me here um, and uh, she was Jackie Dempsey uh, before she married uh, her husband mm-hmm. and um, Brent Wilkes, wonderful wonderful uh, Rhode Island uh, tro- state trooper. But uh, Jackie would be on the field for the, the ceremonies. She worked with Tom Brady. She, yeah. We had a, a cool picture of, of, uh, of Jackie in her ballgirl uniform and, and Tom Brady. So she had more interaction. So uh, Jackie may be watching this one and uh, is smiling at the thought of, of the interaction she got to have. But um, we all of us salute Tom Brady. What what an incredible
1: career. Yeah. You better be careful what you say about Jackie, because when she comes on the podcast, it's just a dish, Jessen. It's just all the dirt <laughs> she has. Everything oh, behind the hands. scenes
0: about Charles Steinberg.
2: No, 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 no. Jackie is, is, is wonderful. Uh, many of you remember her as the ball girl at Fenway, making spectacular plays. Yeah. Uh, the number five web gem on ESPN on the night that Jackie Bradley Jr. had the number eight web gem. And by the way, there she <laughs> is playing herself. In Hollywood, uh with Jake Gyllenhaal uh in what? Uh, was that Stronger or Patriots Day? She's in both, I think. I think
0: Patriots Day. No, Whichever stronger one stars or Jake Gyllenhaal was stronger, right? Was stronger. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah.
2: So there's there's Jackie. You know, she yeah, she's, she's is Jackie
1: great. on IMDb? I didn't know she's in I think so. She was in a I,
2: movie wow. with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, yeah I think is they, on yeah, they reduced Reese Witherspoon's softball parts in it to just this. Like shot, and you know, if you pause, it, pause it, you can see Jackie. Jackie. So, Jackie was, by the way, one of the real um, ones to open our eyes to uh, how fabulous uh, baseball players are, um, whether they're a guy or a girl. Right. Uh, Jackie is a fabulous baseball player, softball player. Uh, Started Villanova mm-hmm. from a remarkable baseball family. Her father was coach of the year for the Boston Globe for. Coaching uh, the Medford High softball team. Her cousin, uh, a lot of fans remember, uh, long major league career, Mike Pagliarulo. Uh, so, um, yeah, there's a lot of baseball, softball, and Tom Brady yeah. all wrapped up into one.
0: Yeah. So there's a 25 minute farewell to Tom Brady. Tom, we know you're watching or listening. So you're already in Florida. Enjoy your retirement. While we're on the topic of star power, though, well, first, we'll get to the star power. I want to say I'm the only one on this stage right now that didn't spend the night at Polar Park last night. <laughs> How was it? Decaf. Tell, tell us some stories. Was it like night at the museum? It was. I was so excited for this because I was picturing
1: it like night at the museum. We've got a big Casey at the Bat statue over there that whenever I walk by him day or night, his eyes follow me as I go by. And He's- last night, I was having a staring contest waiting for him to start chasing me around. He missed strike 3, but I knew he was going to connect with my skull if he started He's getting off that podium. He
0: really is just staring right at the control room. <laughs> Every time you walk in and out the door, he's looking daggers looking right, right at, at you. you.
1: I had a I had a fun time. Mm-hmm. I walked around this whole empty park and uh, look at look at Casey. So, he, look at yeah. those eyes. If, if if imagine it's it's two in the morning and there's no one fact. else here and it's just you and Casey.
2: And you didn't know that I was here.
1: I didn't know. I saw your light on. I thought you were just not conscious about the environment. (laughs) Decaf, where'd you sleep? I slept in the visitor's clubhouse. The home clubhouse uh, was, was locked. This couch I was trying to sleep on. So I was in the visitor's clubhouse where we usually record the podcast. I I was on a couch. I had a a couple of, uh, a couple of my hoodies and sweatpants draped over me. I could not get the lights off. (laughs) So at about 3am, I made a trip back up to the control room and we have
0: like a, a pair of blinders that I was able to get a little beauty <laughs> sleep. Um, so Charles, you were a lot of people who have been to polar park have been up to the DCU club. They've seen the suites. What they don't know is that suite 17 also doubles as your office space and apparently triples as an apartment. Well, for the record, I mean,
1: I'm sleeping here cause I don't have an apartment that's walking distance. <laughs> Can't say the same.
0: But I
2: was worried that overnight the snow would mount and not be traversable, and I wasn't going to be able to drive, and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to walk. Right. And
0: and we had to be at Polar Park for Woosai's winter weekend. So, so you, know. were, you were worried that the snow would mount up and lock you inside. Little did look you at, know at, this is- <laughs> that in your own suite... Look at the floor. While you were floor, sleeping, folks. resting your little head, the snow was coming through the door. Check that
2: out. The snow actually came in it blew in to the suite um and it is still there it's still there <laughs> it is it, it's true um uh i i was like where did that snow come from i didn't open the door <laughs> and then i just stared and just little dust balls of it were, yeah, were coming in flurrying in so yeah it, it is true i i honestly know i know that i could have left and tried to come back but you are all going to be here, and I knew that. Yeah. And I, I knew that we've got a great crew, and Brendan Black is over there. Uh, Lexi Richardson's in, directing in the, the show, room. doing the graphics. And when we say, "Oh, sorry, guys, I, I can't make it," by that, that oh, that didn't feel right. And uh, so I did leave. I did leave um uh, before the snow started, and got the the necessary essentials. You know, everything's hygienic. Yeah, Don't worry. Uh, yeah, got all the toiletries. Got a, a change. of of clothes, um, and um, uh, Janet Marie Smith had uh, lived right nearby the mm-hmm. ballpark, uh, and she needed to. My goodness, because she she can burn the midnight oil and be back before somebody like else. Janet Marie is one of the most brilliant, hard workers ever, and um, and she had left behind a big quilt and a a blanket, you know that away you know never gonna need that uh needed that yeah so um it, it was it was cute I, I surprisingly i slept a lot better here than i thought that i would i thought it'd be like sleeping on a plane but uh, i didn't have the same problem decaf did with, with the, lights the lights not being no. able to go out there's so,
1: definitely like a light switch just like right in the most obvious spot that i looked at a hundred <laughs> times so was
2: it that you were moving and the motion i, I
1: being on a couch i would have to shift around and the lights actually did turn off once and Ooh. i was so happy and then I, like, turn from my left oh, side to my right no, side, you and shop back on.
0: Decaf. <laughs> While Casey at the bat is walking around, you have to be as still as a statue. So you think you think that statue
2: has a little bit of a spirit in I think
0: that's a little life. Wow. I've seen a glimmer in its eyes on a game day every now you know and then. You know what we could do? Animatronic. What, <laughs> like Disney.
2: <laughs> what is that?
0: It's a statue that moves.
2: But there are humans who
0: dress that yeah we actually had some I'll at an it. event at polar park this year they were fantastic i was gonna i, I didn't remember if we had done it here yeah, I've, I've seen it throughout my
2: career you think it's a statue it's green it's gold yep and then they move you're and like then, oh my
1: god and then casey knocks your head off
2: well maybe we could get maybe we could get a a live casey to stand He's down the hall at the, at the right dcu now. club He's staring you, at us right this, now and and then someone would think they're seeing two casey's Except one of them would move we'll Ooh. replace that
0: Casey with the live this person. Is ha- this is how we plan events. We won't is, we won't do any of that. We there, won't there do is any no
2: that. science to it. We sit and talk. We uh, we <laughs> en- enjoy each other's
0: we're not we're not gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. This is uh- <laughs>
2: this is how it starts.
0: So you said you got you did stop at an apartment, got a change of clothes. I wanna ask you, I've known you for about six years now. Every time I've seen you, except this morning, right after you woke up. It's always slacks, shirt, tie, and then if it's cold, sweater.
2: When did that start? I used to catch a cold so reliably in <laughs> October after a baseball season. You know, you, you're on a surge in the baseball season, as you both uh, so know. And um, the, these two are fabulously hard workers, too. And when the season ends, you, you, you have a little bit of like a, a come down. That time. Yeah. I always catch a cold in October. And I'm like, let's not do that anymore. <laughs> you know, it's no fun. So I just started uh, religiously putting on a sweater uh, October 1st. And almost, no matter what, I'm going to wear it in, in, in Worcester through May. You right. know, sweater comes off June 1st. Um, but the, um, and, and a, a tie was uh, part of our dress code in high school. Uh, The school I went to, it was a a small private school, and I started there in eighth grade. It was a 12-year school, and Mm -hmm. I went to Baltimore City Public Schools through seventh grade, um, where there was not a tie except for on picture day. And when I went to Gilman School in uh, Baltimore, starting in eighth grade, you wore a tie every day. So it became absolutely typical. I probably have some ties from eighth grade still. Um, it, I just didn't think anything of it now at the university of Maryland, right. You didn't wear ties, mm-hmm. but then at the university of Maryland dental school, Oh, you most definitely did. And so it was just second nature. And when I started at the Orioles, which actually was in the last month, the senior year of high school, um, my boss who uh, passed away a year ago, wonderful man, Bob Brown, uh, the, the, a, a patriarch to so many of us in mm-hmm. baseball, uh, he had told, Chris Lambert, who was doing the um internship with me, um, you know, told us what time to be in and said, uh, our shirt and tie is appropriate every day. Got it. Well, you're used to it. I don't even think anything of it. Uh if anything, I've lightened up usually on a Sunday I'll I'll wear yeah, you know wear I might go without it. Maybe a Saturday.
1: You but th- I don't think anything of it. You would make Barney Stinson proud. I've watched this man climb into a mascot costume, shirt and tie buttoned <laughs> all the way up. Yeah.
2: It's true. I did. I put on uh, the Smiley costume. Now you know Smiley's real. Kids, don't worry. No. <laughs> we we didn't put a picture of you in
0: because we didn't want to ruin
2: that. Uh, yes, it was, it, believe me, it's not a very attractive picture. But yeah, we did. We had an appearance that um, w- that we wanted to do uh, with Smiley uh, in Millbury, and um, and you know, one of our actors wasn't available. Let's go. Come on. I, I, I put on the Sox uniform right. and dug it. Why not? You know, it. this is, I was going to say it's minor league baseball, but Chris Bergstrom it's had a, a legendary, legendary career being very close to Wally the Green Monster. Yeah. Very.
0: Chris Bergstrom, yeah. our, our normal podcast co-host, oh, if you seen. haven't watched or listened before, uh, we're available anywhere you listen to podcasts and we're on our YouTube channel at Worcester Red Sox. But, Chris Bergstrom it's been great with the news of David Ortiz being inducted into the Hall of Fame. I have seen the yeah. ESPN commercial the of him Sports trying Center. on the Yankees hat That this is Sports Center and Wally freaks out when he sees it. And I found Chris. out the other day that's Chris Bergstrom. Yeah, that yeah. is awesome. Oh, <laughs> is that, that incredible? Is incredible. Uh, Chris Chris was the one who really
2: took Wally to good theatrical heights um, when wow. we joined the the Red Sox and Wally was there, but he was not center stage at all. Uh, one of my colleagues uh, at the Red Sox who had been there many years. Uh, no, nah, you better not mention Wally. He gets booed. So we we <laughs> turned that around by introducing him on the first opening day, saying, and the best friend of children at Fenway Park. Can't boo that. Exactly. Can't boo that. And, and the Chris, Chris, Chris ran with it.
1: The difference between Charles dressing up as Smiley or not was that Smiley Ball got to meet Wally. That was, right. that was what was
2: yeah. It, safe. Yeah, that's right. Wally was coming to Millberry, and I knew that Smiley had to be there to greet him. And you're right. I had a tie on
0: <laughs> under <laughs> <Yeah>. that costume. <laughs> it's <laughs> pathetic,
2: but it's true.
0: So clearly, Sweet 17 has become somewhat of a third or, I guess, fourth home at I this didn't, point. In I India? didn't
2: seek that, um, but it, it certainly <laughs> was functional. Even with snow blowing in overnight. Right.
0: And I know you're known to welcome fans up there that you might see at the ball sure. game. And if you haven't seen it yet, I think we have it's a cool graphic suite. of it. It's, it's the pictures cool. you have on the wall there are incredible what? just throughout your storied career. And it, there's one in particular I want to talk about. But go ahead. Um, we have an Look email. At Look at that. Look at that wall. That's it's a, all it's a
2: storytelling.
0: Right. Wall. It's a and
2: retrospective. Every picture is a story. We said we want to do a whole feature called sweet stories.
0: You pick the picture. I'll tell you the story. Go ahead. So there's one in particular. There's a screenshot of an email from the sender CD. (laughs) Uh, That's a great sent at, I think, three in the morning. And you can see it there. Yep. Congratulating you on a a yet another, your third World Series championship in Boston. Isn't that cool? Who is CD?
2: CD? And honest to goodness, when I received that email, um, now she wrote it after three in the morning, California time. So it was just after midnight, right? Just after midnight. There she is. Yes. That's Cameron Diaz. And um, gosh, where do we start the Cameron Diaz story? We we started with um, opening night in New York, 2005. um, When uh, Red Sox versus Yankees coming off the 2004 world championship. And, we had gotten a request from uh, someone from the fever pitch group mm-hmm. uh, that which, which of course, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, and they had made fever pitch at Fenway park. They were wonderful. The Farley brothers could have been better. They said, um, could you provide four tickets to opening night at Yankee stadium, Red Sox, Yankees um, for Cameron Diaz, Jimmy Fallon and two others. Well, Honestly, you might think that in a small world based on relationships, that's an easy ask Red Sox versus Yankees. I won't say that the people in the front office don't like each other, but we don't interact.
0: And that's not not, asking any favors. That's
2: not a call that we make. We don't call for tickets at Yankee stadium, but what are you going to do? You want to take care of them. Mm -hmm. So there was going to be a suite that our owners were going to have John Henry, Tom Werner, Larry Lupino. Hmm. Now I knew if I asked Larry whether Cameron Diaz and Jimmy Fallon and two others could be with him and John Henry and Tom Werner in the suite at Yankee stadium, I knew he was going to relentlessly tease and go, ah, you, you're such a Hollywood file, you know? (laughs) So, so I asked Tom Werner and who is a huge person in Hollywood. People in Hollywood revere Tom Werner. Um, he is so respected in Hollywood. I said, do you want Cameron Diaz, Jimmy Fallon, two others in your suite?" He goes, sure, that'll be fine. Now I could tell Larry. Tom Werner said, okay, hey, fine. Except I had learned long ago in a, another story that you got to be careful. Sometimes people bait and switch you. They want the tickets. They use the names of the celebrities. But at the last minute, they go, oh, it's these four people. And now you're going to have egg on your face a little bit because Mm -hmm. four people you don't know are going to be in the suite. So I knew to be the one to greet them. And my suspicions grew when they changed plans as we got ever closer and said, Oh, Jimmy Fallon can't make it, but it'll still be Cameron Diaz plus three. And you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're yeah. waiting for it to be, Oh, Cameron couldn't make it, but can we still have the tickets in the suite? Yep. You know, it's, you know, we're all human. It's like, Oh, do I really want to have to say that to our our ownership? So I go down and meet this black Suburban as it drives around. And the driver is one of the four and three ladies get out. And yes, one of them is Cameron Diaz, most definitely. Uh, another is a wonderful woman that we had worked with on Fever Pitch. She's Drew Barrymore's business partner. Mm-hmm. Her name is Nancy Juvonin. And then a third one uh, is... Um, Cameron Diaz's assistant uh, named Jesse Lutz and we welcome them. I'm like relieved. Good. It really is. You know? And so we bring them in up to the suite. It is clear within moments that Jesse is the real fan. She is a Red Sox nut. She's from Massachusetts and she is excited as anything to be there. Nancy Javonen is also very happy to be there. And Cameron is perfectly gracious wonderful kind and i but she's not necessarily going to follow each pitch and so it became my role to to chat with her i said well, you know are you you live in la she says yes yeah. said dodger fan or angel fan?" fanches i'm at a dodger game i'm a dodger fan if that's, i'm an angel fan i'm an angel fan
1: that's quite a burden you you accepted to to keep camera somebody had to occupied. do it you know
2: <laughs> i'm a conversationalist but we, we talked the whole game. And by the way, those who remember, that was not a pretty game. Mm-hmm. That was Yankees all the way. And <laughs> Cameron could hear the vocalizations of displeasure emanating from Larry Lucchino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was not pretty. So we're kind of keeping her back in the back of the, the suite. Larry's out, outside. We can still hear him. And um, what you saw, though was that Cameron did not do a bait and switch. She actually showed up so that her assistant could come. Mm-hmm. And so we gathered them together. I said, look, I get the picture, I understand. I said, Jesse, we want you at Fenway Park next week for our opening day. Nancy, you're welcome too. And then I pointed to Cameron, I said, you? Not so sure. <laughs> just, so joking, just to let her know, you no longer have to do that, Yeah, you know? And it led to, I guess, just a, a good trusting relationship with all of them. And so in 2013, there she was uh, in a suite at Fenway Park, yep. um, not expecting to see me, I not expecting to see her. And we we had this this chat and I told her how regardless of the outcome of the 2013 world series, we've already won the pennant. When you win the pennant, you do get a trophy Mm -hmm. and that trophy you can take around and it can be a symbol uh, on trophy tours and kids can fall in love with baseball. And I told her how my mother of blessed memory had taken me to games uh, and how impactful that was. And so one week later there, we win the world series and I get an email from CD recalling, as you'll see on that, on that email, recalling the actual conversation. And, uh, I was just so appreciative of that because, you know, who am I, you know? Um, but, um, but she recalled specifically, um, the conversation about my mom and, uh, I, I wish her well. And, uh, every so often I I hear from, uh, from Jesse and, um, you know, it is, it is funny who you get to meet and, how much you get to enjoy these moments that turn into relationships of sorts
1: really quickly. Was it an option to buy tickets at Yankee stadium or was the suite, the the deal breaker
2: opening night at Yankee stadium? I don't know how they could have. Okay. I don't know how they could have. remember Red Sox, Yankees, Coming off of the two thousand four World Series, you're good. How are you gonna buy those tickets again? I Stadium? I only
1: ask because I have some friends that know I work for the Woo Sox. Sometimes they'll ask me if I can get t- them tickets to Red Sox games. Tell them to get and in line just, at
2: Yankee Stadium right now.
1: I just say, yeah, no, I get free tickets all the time, and then I buy. Oh, tickets. free? Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> I tell them I get free, and then I buy them. Don't and then do that.
2: That's very good-hearted of you. It is. You're 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 you a, a kind person. I,
1: my Emerson email still works for for the FanMy Park student nine. Oh.
2: Student nines are the best. Sam Kennedy's idea. Sam said, why don't we just go with $9 tickets for, for students?
1: Uh, so, Thank you, Sam.
2: Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. The giant flag and, and student
0: nines, two of Sam Kennedy's many, yeah. many great ideas. Somewhere else you can get $9 tickets at woosocks.com or by calling 508-500-8888. And As single game tickets for April and May just went on sale now.
2: And that's one of the reasons that for students only $8 less than a student nine. So for take
1: that dollar, do some laundry. Well, (laughs) yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Dylan is always looking for quarters. So
0: bring quarters to the park. (laughs) If you see Dylan running around, he needs them.
2: But $8 for kids, for students. That's one of the reasons why uh, for active military and for seniors. And we look, when we were doing the fan planning sessions, we met with a lot of colleges, in fact, a council of college leaders, and um, we were going over ticket prices, you know, and don't want to go past ten dollars, they said. Um, and uh, so we settled on nine for everybody, but eight for uh, for kids, students, military, active military and uh,
0: seniors. That's right. Fa- affordable family fun. That's what you get here.
2: Isn't that what you want?
0: Yeah, exactly. So. We've talked about the email a lot from Cameron Diaz in 2013 after the World Series. In 2013, I want to bring this up because obviously our beloved Big Poppy, David Ortiz, was just elected as a first ballot Hall of Famer. I know you have a bunch of stories, but the one I want to focus on is the speech in 2013 because apparently you had a role. You told the story in class once. I called my parents and uncle right after to let them know
1: what a cool (laughs) thing happened.
2: It's an emotional story because it's an emotional uh, time for us all. If we go back to April 15th of 2013, Mm -hmm. a gorgeous day, surprisingly beautiful spring day. um, And um, that's Patriots Day. We um, have a walk-off win. Um, We have kids run the bases. Thank goodness. Because by having kids run the bases, we had a lot of them that kept a lot of people at Fenway. And when the last child had run the bases, I was sitting over in the third base seats because I liked to just anonymously, uh, watch as they came off the field to, to see the expressions and to make sure, joy. make sure we were doing something mm-hmm. that, you know, that we thought we were doing. And the last child had uh, crossed home plate had come up past me and Jackie Dempsey, now Jackie Wilkes um, was on the field helping to orchestrate and so as she came up i walked with her and my eye caught the scoreboard clock it was 247 i remember that because um my elementary school's school number was 247 cross-country elementary school in baltimore so we walk up and i said what a day and jackie said perfect and it kind of gave me the chills when she said that because in my spiritual belief, we never actually achieve perfection. There, there's always this yin to the yang, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, we walked in the red door, if you're familiar with that at Fenway park. And by the time we had walked down the hall back to our offices, uh, the TVs were on and there was this story emerging and you know, what, what, you know, you don't know what the story is as it's emerging. You mm-hmm. think, that um, I, I thought that like maybe a furnace in a store had had a problem. And then they said, no, there's a second one. And and then the story's emerging and they're talking mm-hmm. about uh, trash cans. And and then if you remember. Another story quickly emerges that there's an issue at the JFK library, a possible fire, and this could be related also. And it turns out it wasn't, but we didn't know that. And my worry was if you've had an attack on the marathon and an attack at the JFK library and you're going for iconic institutions in Boston, we could be next. Mm -hmm. So I asked all of our folks in area to leave, get out of, of the ballpark. And I remember walking out that side door onto Brookline Avenue and just looking at an ordinary trash can, but looking at it through different eyes, uh, suddenly you know because that's what they were saying had been um, a, a possible had had a possible role, and you're like, you know, who looks at a trash can and you know you don't think twice, and uh, yeah, I just remember, and the emotions were rising, mm-hmm. and as the week went on, and our team, as I think everyone remembers was able to get on the bus, get on the plane, and get to Cleveland. And our team was very, very moved, very moved. By the way, David Ortiz was not on that team. David Ortiz was still on a rehabilitation assignment from the Achilles injury the previous August
1: 24th. That's right. So he's
2: not part of this story. So our team goes to Cleveland. Uh, They all go to dinner together. I think 23 guys went to dinner. That's unusual and will middlebrooks, um, who should forever be thanked and and praised, uh, for this, um, sent out a tweet. He didn't invent the phrase Boston strong, but he took that and he wrote a very tender tweet and he included hashtag Boston strong. And we later went back to Twitter. That was the origin of the spike in popularity. And the next day, um, The team had made a gray jersey. They were on the road with the number 617 and Boston and strong. And they put it in. They took a picture with it and put it in the dugout. They would make a white one, two for the home games. And um, Larry Lucchino had a senior staff meeting at 1130 um, on that next day, on that Tuesday. We actually typically had that meeting on Mondays, but we didn't because it was Patriots Day the day before. And we were talking about, Larry was saying, you know, we need to do something to address this issue. Maybe it's the Red Sox Foundation. And he gets pulled away. Larry's assistant, Faye Shear, came in, handed him a yellow post-it, and Larry walks away. And that's when we're sitting there and we're chatting among ourselves. I take out my blue big pen and realize that if you took the Boston B and wrote strong under it, then you could do a play on Boston Strong, but it would be be strong lyrically. You can hear ah. what that means, and it would be the Red Sox logo saying "be strong." Mm-hmm. And uh, Pam Ken um, is sitting across the table from me. I, you know she remembers that. We all remember that meeting. Larry comes back in says that was Mayor Menino. He's creating what will be called the One Fund, and all of the charitable efforts will be centralized. So Sam, Sam Kennedy sitting to my right. Pam is across the table. It's about eight of us in the meeting. And you know, I show this logo, but you have to get approvals from Major League Baseball to do such a logo. That can take six months. Sam Kennedy, rock star. We went from that meeting down the hall into his office, And he pounded call after call after call uh, through the various bureaucratic channels at MLB to get the instant approval of this logo that we could then ask the D'Angelo family, that's Twins Enterprises, the souvenir shop, to make so that we could raise money for the one fund. And we had $600,000 by Sunday. Wow more than 2 million in that first year. So we're all filled with emotion. Again, David Ortiz is not on the Red Sox. He's on the Paw right. Sox. And by Wednesday, I'm drawing up a ceremony. Sarah McKenna, who I could always rely on for candor, goes, that's not very good. Okay, thanks. So by Thursday, thir- <laughs> she was right. By Thursday, we hit a groove. And she and I are in a groove. We know we want to pay tribute to... Um, Uh, ordinary everyday people who were thrust into heroic roles to first responders to the olympians themselves to the Mm -hmm. doctors to the nurses and to the if there was anyone injured who might have been released by then. so by late thursday night by late and i mean it was i think that one was Uh, yeah that was the night of the chase and it's happening outside Fenway they're going to Beth Israel um I think it was I think she and I left the park at about 103 in the morning Mm -hmm. and um but we had the basis of a of a touching ceremony for tomorrow which is Friday no shelter in place no game Friday then everybody is asked to um Instead of shelter in place, let the community come together and look for the killer. And the killer is found, and there is this new kind of emotion. But we've now got a game on Saturday. And now you shift the ceremony to focus on the great job that law enforcement did. Mm -hmm. So you shift the order of of things a bit. And by 12.05 a.m. Friday night, we had a ceremony. And um, I did what I always do. I forwarded it to Larry Lucchino, not because he's my boss, not because of chain of command, but because he is the best collaborator, the best editor. uh, And he will look through other lenses that you may be thinking of. And anybody who partners with him, you're going to do well. So by Saturday morning, we're ready to go, except there's just one problem. It's a heavy ceremony. Right. And... How are you going to go from this level of thick melancholy Mm -hmm. to a baseball game, which suddenly seems so trivial? Right. And with folks seated around, the same way that you all might be seated around um, my office or my suite, about six or seven of us, and uh, I said, we need an elbow. We need something to change the direction, to lift us to be ready for baseball. What if David
0: Ortiz would speak. And it, this was his first game back on the major league roster, right. right? This
2: was going to be his return. We hadn't seen him yet this year.
0: And, uh, some of the responses were humorous.
2: Oh, Charles, if you ask David Ortiz to speak, he's liable to drop an F bomb. I said, you think so? Oh no, we know. So <laughs> independently, concurrently down the hall, Larry Lucchino, is talking to a friend of his, uh, the uh, former president of the um, Washington Wizards, who he'd known, who said, um, "Gosh, you should have a player speak." And so I think it was Sarah McKenna has walked down the hall. She encounters Larry, and who and she says, "Charles wants David Ortiz to speak." Larry goes, "Yes, David Ortiz should speak. He's going to drop an F bomb." Now Larry at the town hall said, "No, he won't." At the time, I think he said, good.
0: But I wasn't there.
2: (laughs) I wasn't there to witness it. I wasn't. Whatever. So then uh, Sarah Narachi uh, um, went down to talk to David. And we drafted lines for him to say. Um, But let me tell you, speaking on the field live with a mic is not easy. And when English isn't your first language, it's even harder. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to write too much. You don't want them to memorize or anything. And, uh, but Sarah Narachi uh, talked to David and reassured him that he could speak from the heart. And um, you know, so some of the lines were suggested uh, like you see this jersey today. It doesn't say Red Sox. It says Boston. But David elaborated. Um, I, I hadn't written uh, Governor Patrick's name by name or Mayor mm-hmm. Menino's name by name. He added that and what shouldn't get lost was the second line of his famous couplet. Yes, that was completely him saying, this is our city. But the second line, that's all David. And nobody's going to dictate our freedom. That's a heck of a line.
0: There's, you couldn't have written that better.
2: Right. I, th- that wouldn't have been what I would have even thought to say. And it was that blend of anger, strength, and defiance. And then when he holds his fist in the air, in that picture, yes, I've got it in my suite and many people have it in their homes and says, stay strong.
0: That was a moment. Yeah, that was a moment. That's probably the marquee moment in a very storied career. There have been five Red Sox first ballot hall of famers. He has three more world series championships, or actually Pedro has one. So he has two more world series championships than any of the other ones and three more than everyone. That's not Pedro.
2: He is the real deal. He has a heart that is as big as you want to believe it is, but what he did that day was very human and very David, right? Uh, It really was, Um, you know, yes, we, we said, would you speak, but, He's the one who channeled his innermost thoughts and uh, and delivered in English compellingly. And, yes, it was an elbow. And how did that ball game go? Daniel yeah. Nava, three-run homer after Neil Diamond, who surprised us with his arrival. Yep. Uh, Our Nava friend hit.
0: Don Orsillo on the call. Boston, this is for you. Nice.
2: Nice. That was a day. April 20th, by the way, that day was. What's so notable about that date? It was the 101st birthday of Fenway
0: park. Wow. Look at that. So we're a little over time, but this has been some great stuff. I want to thank everybody for joining us virtually on this winter weekend. It's been a big haul for our production department, but everyone's done such an incredible job. Everyone around the front office in general. I want to thank you for helping us out this whole week to put this together for the fans and Like Larry said last night at the town hall kickoff, it's all about the fans. This, all of the changes we announced that really stemmed from our Saturday in the park open house in 2021 that we had uh, in the middle of the season. And I know Charles, again, that night you stayed late looking at the suggestion boxes and all of the suggestions that fans wrote down, slipped into these ballot boxes at the ballpark that day. Do you know off the top of your head, how many we had? 267
2: 267 ballot and the the blue notebook with those ideas is still right here with me and uh that's on top of 877 uh that we garnered from 21 fan planning meetings wow
0: so there you see the boxes and obviously there was a large front office presence there we weren't just making people write down what they wanted to see change and then reading it later right
2: we're the same as everybody else. We know whether we want nachos. We know whether we want fried dough. We know what it's like to be a six-year-old whose eyes light up at cotton candy. We know what it's like to be a, a seven-year-old who sees smiley ball. And we stay in very close touch uh, with, with six- and seven- and eight-year-olds. Believe me. We, Definitely. I I, re- I rely on, on seven-year-old Mila. I rely on eight-year-old Ayla. Uh, they... They keep it real. They they tell me um, they they are dear cherished friends of mine. Um, uh, uh, in what uh, Mm -hmm. Auburn and uh, now Douglas, I think. Um, yeah, it's they listen to the children Mm -hmm. because they'll keep you, they'll keep the flame of your childhood going. And look, there's two things you want to do at a ball game. You want to make a child fall in love with baseball, and you want to remind an adult where and when and why and how they fell in love with baseball and they fall in love again. That's what we love.
0: Yeah. So thank you again to the fans for all of those suggestions from that open house. We don't want to end the show without breaking any sort of news. So we can tell you tentatively we are looking at a 2022 open house we're eyeing the weekend of April 9th. So cool.
2: Yes. Follow the Woo Sox on social media,
0: on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can listen to the Woo Sox Insider Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or watch us on YouTube. But when we firm up a date, you'll know when our open house is. And if you didn't get a chance to come by Saturday in the park last year and give your two cents on what we should do with the ballpark or what we should do at games or with the foundation. You'll have an opportunity then, but I think don't wait then either. Shoot us an email, come by the ballpark when you're buying tickets or when you're on the phone at 508-500-8888 with your uh, ticket office members, buying your nine game mini plans, throw out an idea then too. Why not? So Charles, thank you so much for staying here. I know the fans have heard a lot from you this weekend.
2: (laughs) The fans hear a lot from me.
0: (laughs) That's right. But thank you so much for joining the podcast this time. And Brendan black. I know you've been monitoring the zoom. Do we have any fan questions before we go? Our producer, the voice of God, Brendan black. (laughs) Thank you. TQ. Um, We did have a suggestion
1: to potentially racing mascots. Oh, we could do that
2: How potentially about, for table on, talk. Can, we, why you look hesitant? Smiley Ball could run uh, against Woofster, yeah. and and if we unveil Roberto the Rocket, uh, that's a secret, right? So if if we unveil Roberto the Rocket, who would I'm be you a um, uh, particularly interested in, on way past nights? Why why couldn't you have those those folks run?
1: I've been in a number of mascot costumes. I think I don't know. I think I think. Wooster's feet are heavy. I think Smiley. Might have, have you a, ever a, been to Milwaukee shot. and seen
2: the sausage races? They are hilarious. Yeah, never been to
1: Milwaukee.
2: Oh, you should go. The, the Laurel Prebe, a dear, dear uh, friend of mine, uh, was instrumental in developing the sausage races in Milwaukee. You, they, you, you stop what you're doing to watch the sausage races.
1: All I know is if we have a mascot
0: race, I want to be in the first one.
2: Be okay. careful what you wish for. <laughs>
0: if you think you can beat decaf, also be on the lookout for our annual job fair. Usually happens in February. So if you're looking for a game day opportunity, maybe getting a mascot. Actors, and race actors against this
2: guy. who become very close with the mascots. Um, that, that's Um, yeah. yeah, we do keep our eyes open for, for actors. So we want to get the mascots out to your town in our regionalization effort. Let us know. If you want us to come, Tell Rick Medeiros. He loves going on spontaneous voyages. Rick M at woosocks.com.
0: Shoot him an email. Thank you all so much for joining us. Winter weekend is not over either. You can join us Monday at 6 p.m. as we uh, celebrate the life of Jackie Robinson on the eve of Black History Month. So I think if unless you guys have any other words,
2: we may be out there tomorrow, too, by the way, playing in the snow. We may do a spontaneous voyage. Rick, uh, Rick is chomping at the bit to go to Auburn tomorrow. He's
0: itching in the caravan.
2: It may, it may be the caravan. Sweet. We'll see if, how that does in the snow or, <laughs> or the, uh, the Woo Sox mobile. All right. Thank you all. You've been great to be so responsive and attentive. And um, thanks for this inaugural Woo Sox winter weekend.
1: Chris Bergstrom, if you're out there and you're, you're still on the 1% left on your phone battery watching this, we, we love you and we miss you. Yeah.
0: And again, Tom Brady, thanks for watching. It's Sox. Oh, Tom do we Brady. have a question, Brendan? Oh, come on. Uh, Dylan,
1: that was your father who suggested the racing. Hey, hey, Dad. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Appreciate
0: it. Right. Congratulations, Tom Brady. And congratulations, David Ortiz. Yeah. How fitting is that? Thank you both for watching. Enjoy the rest of your day. Stay safe in this blizzard. It's Woo Sox 22. Always something cool and new. We'll see you all soon.